Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with award-winning author and communications expert, Christopher Fenning. He makes it easy for us to communicate at work. His simple methods help experts talk to non-experts, teams, talk to executives, and so much more. His practical methods are used in organizations like Google and NATO and have appeared in the Harvard Business Review. He is also the author of multiple award-winning books that have been translated into 15 languages. He's kind of a nomad. He's full of adventure dig this interview it's great to meet you where are you coming out of i'm in the netherlands oh right on okay well as i said i'm in the middle of the map and in america i'm in kansas city missouri so we're uh we're leaping over some water and land to to talk today we really are yeah (laughs) i uh, in fact i drove around kansas city i drove from i drove coast to coast from virginia beach i drove straight across to denver and okay. then uh, did a whole bunch of national parks uh, up in the States. Right did, on. So drove just around where you were. Okay. Yeah. You should stop in at some point when you do that again, because Kansas City always surprises people. There's a lot going on here. It it looked great. Un- unfortunately, I had five days to get myself and our, we had a 32-foot trailer yeah. from Virginia Beach to Denver so that my wife and, and daughter could fly out. And then we... We did a bit of a tour as we were leaving the country and yeah. there were loads of places i would have loved to have stopped there was yeah. also a lot of corn a lot of corn uh-huh <laughs> yeah great road with corn all this, the way this is an agricultural belt for sure yeah. yeah yeah well hey it's great to meet you and i want to begin our conversation with what we've lived through for the last three and a half years which has been COVID. how did mm-hmm. you get through the pandemic and how has it changed you now that we're kind of entering a little bit more activity in life Oh, man, the pandemic, everyone has a pandemic story, and it affected some people in a just a devastating way through personal losses, through business losses, deaths of family members, and so on. Um, and socially, kids who have missed out on years of school and uh, lacking that socialization. And so lots of people went went through it. And the reason I start with that is anything I'm about to share doesn't minimize anyone else's story. Yeah. Um, but we certainly had our own COVID story. And it started in December of 2019, just before COVID really became a thing. Yeah. And my wife and I decided it would be a great time to quit our jobs, put our house on the market and travel for travel for a year before our daughter started school. So that's what we did. And then COVID. Yeah. And wow. that was uh, a small change in our plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. So did you still travel and do everything you were going to do before? We we did not. So the plan was 2020, a year of travel. We were living in the States and we were going to be leaving the States, coming back to Europe to be near our families. We had a young daughter. We wanted her to spend time with the grandparents. We wanted to be near our parents as they got older. So we planned to leave the States, but to have six to 12 months of travel, six months in the States doing a massive tour from east to west coast, north to south, and then across to Hawaii, and then potentially Japan and some other places to bring us back to Europe. What actually happened was we got locked in a temporary apartment. A whole house got packed up into a container, shipped back to Europe. We lived in a temporary furnished apartment for three months and we got five weeks on the road with our travel trailer and then began a year of 13 houses in three countries with a three-year-old and only what we could fit into four suitcases. And that's how we lived for a year during COVID. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but that was I mean, tough. The, the, but but the growth and resiliency. 
I mean, there had to be some silver linings coming out of it, huh? There, there were uh, things like the appreciation we have for rubber boots or Wellington boots, as they're called in the UK. They were uh, the most important thing we had with us were three pairs of rubber boots because it meant in the UK when when lockdown was on, you could for a while go out and walk in the countryside, yeah. but not interact with other people. And those boots meant that we could get out into the fields, into the woods and escape the house. Yeah, and that freedom sort of kept our sanity. Yeah, and it, it was it, it was tough with a three year old and, and oh. all we could all we could carry. We didn't know where we were going to be sleeping in a week's yeah. time. It was wow. pretty tough for you. Yeah, for sure. So let's get to the essence of what you do for a living on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third grade students. It's career day, and one of the kids says, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" How do you answer that child? I would say, well, I teach people to explain really complicated things in simple ways. Okay, so your backbone is IT. Is that what you're explaining as technology? Um, that is my background, was IT engineering, project management. But now I teach communication skills. And okay. so what I would do is help anybody who has a complicated thing to explain. I'll give them methods they can use to make the complicated simple. So what's kind of a silver lining or what's kind of a, a thread that goes through a lot of people that you run into that is easy for you to diagnose, but takes a little time for them to figure out? What is that common thread? Often two things. The first is getting to the point. And yeah. the second is being able to make something relevant from the audience's perspective. Yeah. And the getting to the point one is really easy to spot. If you ask someone a direct question that could give a yes or no answer, they give five to 10 sentences of context and background and explanation before they maybe give you the yes or no. Yeah. That's a real indicator that people struggle to get to the point. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? I wanted to be a pilot. I didn't have a particularly burning need. It was just the thing that made sense to me. I liked planes. I liked engineering-y type stuff, building stuff in my hands. So being a pilot was the, the core thing when I was younger. Yeah. So let's get to how we got here. I'm going to take you back to where you were born and raised. And what were these seeds that were put into you that are helping people communicate better? IT, being a writer, how did all that happen? Well, it started off as a kid who talked way too much, and I believed that I had the answers to everything, and I was wrong. It took me a long time uh, to work that out. Lots of people pointed it out to me, but it took me a long time to really appreciate that for myself. So as a kid, I, I talked a lot, but I also had a lot of interest, as I said, in flying and engineering and being practical. So I, I followed a path into engineering, and it turned out I could speak technical and business. And part of the reason for that was I'd had a number of businesses of my own through high school, a little bike repair shop. I used to I used to bulk buy candy and resell it at a higher value, things like that. Yeah. And when I got to 18, which is the drinking age in the UK, I would bulk buy alcohol and resell that at a, a obviously totally with licenses and all, all above board when I, when I was yeah. in school. And that that sort of um, led to me being recognized as a business to technical translator. So when I got into into my jobs, I was often pointed out as the person who could bridge that divide. And over 20 years or so, I had a bunch of different roles, project management. I led some merger and acquisition programs, did technical defense, telecoms. 
And that common theme of communication was the thread that, that remained consistent throughout that whole time. And then I got to a point where I really needed a change, coinciding with leaving America and coming back to Europe. And the natural thing to have a go at was teaching communication because that's what everybody pointed at and said, this is your real strength. Yeah. So I took a, took a chance and said, all right, let's, let's go all in on that. Yeah. So who's been a hero for you in your life? I don't have particular individual modern heroes. I'm a bit of a fan of classical Greek and Roman mythology. So the Achilles and Odysseus and the, the big tales. I think from a, a hero perspective, anybody who runs into the fire to save someone else, whether that's a literal fire or a metaphorical fire, people who go out of their way to put themselves at serious disadvantage or in risk, purely selflessly to help somebody else, every one of those people, they're the heroes. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who would it be? It would be, it would be Ranulph Fiennes. Okay. Probably not a big name in the States, but Ranulph Fiennes is a great British explorer. In the mid 80s, I think the Guinness Book of Records put him as the uh, the most accomplished living explorer. He was the first person to go on foot across both the Antarctica ice sheets and the North Pole. So he's done Antarctica and the Arctic on foot and a whole bunch of other things as well. It's just the life he's lived, the things he has seen and the experiences that he's been able to generate for himself and just live. It would be amazing to hear his stories. So you've gone and you've explored and you've traveled a lot. What was one of the most surprising places that you visited that you just didn't expect would hold the beauty or charm that it had? The northwest section of the States. And I say that having lived in Europe, lived in the States, traveled in Africa, been to the Arctic, but the northwest section of America has just an incredible diverse range of everything from Glacier National Park, which is staggeringly high uh, mountains and caverns and canyons. You've got Yellowstone with all of the volcanic, uh, just the driving between those places. You have yeah. open plains, tundra, mountains, valleys, all kinds of stunning, stunning landscape. And I didn't expect the, the bits between the national parks yeah. to be as as exciting as they were and the people are so welcoming yeah. just fantastically welcoming yeah so as somebody that's obviously curious and have has adventure in your blood if you could see any event in human history with your own eyes what would you love to have seen oh wow i've never been asked that before <laughs> the raising of of some a magnificent monument. What is it? The seven wonders of the world. So yeah. the, the building of the pyramids, the erection of Stonehenge, the putting up of those enormous stones, something like that, or the very first uh, trickles of the stream that created the Grand Canyons, like seeing that, yeah. that the inception of that moment from small stream to big raging river and then this enormous chasm, something like that would just be fantastic to witness. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your motivation every day? When you get up, you're helping people, you have goals for yourself. What are the things that get you going every day and help you be who you are? I've got quite a strong desire to achieve things. I'm driven very much by achievement, whether it's uh, whether it's getting through a short to-do list or writing a new book. 
achieving small things is important for me. And that came about from in my mid-teens, I was in a pretty bad accident. I was hit, hit by a car. I was a pedestrian and I crossed a road like an idiot. I didn't look properly and I was hit by a car at about 45 miles an hour, which is a very high speed to get, get hit at. And that was a turning point for me. The people who knew me before and after that and sort of saw the transition have pointed at that moment and said, that's when I went from pretty sort of lazy freeloadery type, just drifting along to really having purpose and taking every opportunity. And that that has stayed in me, whether it's just making my bed, writing a book, teaching my daughter to ride a bike, achieving those things both personally and for the people around me. That's just an inherent desire that I think I have. So what's been one of your best success stories that you've had professionally with this business that you have right now? It has to be my first business book, The First Minute. I I wrote it thinking it was going to be a business card and I would end up giving away more copies than I would sell. And I think by the end of this year, it might hit 50,000 copies sold, multi-award winning, translated into a bunch of different languages. And I I just never expected that. It, it's become the foundation of my business and, and succeeded beyond my wildest, wildest expectations. So as a writer, what was the first book that you read in your life that really made you like get bedazzled by the idea of reading or wanting to write one day? I, I read a lot as a kid. I was getting through multiple books every week. And there are a couple of series that stood out and they're fiction. So I wasn't big on nonfiction as a kid, other than airplane books. I had tons of, <laughs> of airplane books. Yeah. But the ones that inspired me were... Uh, there's an author called Brian Jacques who wrote a series called Red Wall. It's a fantasy magic series, but the characters are all animals, mice and badgers and things like that. And I, I devoured the series. And the second series was uh, by an author called Willard Price, mm -hmm. who wrote almost like, are you familiar with the Hardy Boys? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's the Hardy Boys, but instead of crime, it's about animal mysteries their father owned a zoo and they were always going around the world to try and rescue some endangered species but someone was trying to kidnap them and sort of the, that type of adventure and there, there were must have been 20 30 books and absolutely loved those yeah. and that kept my love of reading and reading in connection to books has been a huge part of my life i have a fairly sizable library at home so speaking of youth let's say you run into a 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that version of you a piece of advice and in that dream, based on all the wisdom that you've gained up to this point, what advice would you dispense on your young version? This is an easy one. Worry less about what other people think. Yeah. It just, it's not as important as we think it is when we're young. Now, some people still like, struggle with that. And some people enjoy that. The, the perception of others is important to them. But for me, I it wasn't a positive in. It was a drain. It was a drag. It was a worry caused anxiety. I had this desperation to, yeah, desperation is the right word to try and uh, get approval from yeah. other people. And it's just not as important as my younger self really thought it was. So let it go, Chris. Let it go. Yeah. It's be yourself. It's okay. Yeah. So of all of the miles that you've gone, all of the things you've accomplished and overcome, what are you the proudest of? Well, it would be a little cliche to say my family, right? Uh, but it's my wife. I'm. She fills me with just 
I'm in adoration of her in multiple ways. She has, she's had three tours in war zones. She survived two terrorist bomb attacks. She had a really challenging pregnancy with our our daughter that put her in some personal uh, peril. She was at at risk and she got an award from the queen when the queen was still alive. And she just, my heart's name's Danny, and she just goes about life like it's a totally normal thing. And none of these things phase her. And none of these have become a badge of honor or a weight dragging her down. She just continues to do astonishing things, just like it's a normal everyday experience. And so I'm, I'm in awe of her and I'm inspired by her. And I could talk about my daughter, but we'd be here all day. So I'm very proud of her as well. But that might go on way too long if we went down that path. Right on. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I find this an interesting one because over the summer, I've had a number of people talk to me and say, oh, and to comment on my success in my business. And their perception of my success and my perception of success are very different. Mm-hmm. And I suppose by by very external measures, I have been successful. Best-selling author, reached various financial milestones, great career, family, etc. But the success for me isn't measured by those things. And here's where I, I find it interesting and struggle is I don't have a hard defined limit or metric for success. It's not earn X number of dollars or have a certain size house. It's certainly not material. I think that for me, success is having a good balance between working a reasonable number of hours each week and not being totally overloaded and being able to go to school events for my daughter and not feeling stressed and being able to keep the lights on and having that that balance between the two and enjoying what what I'm doing every day, whether that's work, rest or play. That's like the ultimate Libra fantasy right there. Just riding the line and balancing it out for sure. Uh, it's I have no idea when I will get there, but I, I, I believe that one day I'll wake up and go, oh, yeah, I'm kind of here. Oh. Yeah, that's it. But without having any hard metrics. It's so it's a difficult one to say, yes, I yeah. have arrived. The teeter-totter is in balance. Hey, Chris, so if anyone wants to pick up your books, learn more about you, reach out to you, anything about your world, where do they go? Well, to find me, they can go to my website, which is chrisfenning.com. My social hangout is LinkedIn, and all my books are available wherever you like to buy books. Amazon's the obvious one, but whether it's Apple, Barnes & Noble, Inc., Nook, wherever, wherever you like to buy books, you should be able to pick them up. Excellent. Chris, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate your story, your passion, your energy. Best of luck with everything. Thank you, Joe. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm